Hello and welcome to the Proper Car Podcast. I'm Drew Markey and I'm excited to share my love of cars and my knowledge of the car sales and service industry with you. The goal of this podcast is to help you be more informed about the car buying process, to help you find the best car for your needs and your budget, and to help you enjoy car ownership more than you've ever imagined. I'm your ally in car buying and I can't wait to help you out, so let's get started. Have you ever considered the cost of options on a car? Everything from paint colors to seating materials, trim pieces, performance parts, luxury, safety, cold weather, track, and other various packages are all available at an additional fee. Now, BMW is even charging you monthly to have access to certain features your car is equipped with. I want to take this episode to talk a bit about these options, uh, why they're sometimes worthwhile, sometimes ridiculous, and how they impact the cost of owning your car. The base model versus the fully loaded model. Which one holds its value better? Which one can be hard to sell? And there are many other questions to ask. Uh, many other things to debate when you consider how to equip your car. Most of this episode, I'm going to be talking about new cars, um, mostly because it's the point when you as a buyer have the greatest influence over which options you're getting. However, this can all apply to used car purchases as well. In many cases, you're going to hear me talk about points that really mostly matter at the point of either selling a car or buying a used car. Uh, But in any case, I just want to cover all of these different factors and help you make a better decision when you're looking at options that are available on different cars. So in the long term, fewer options on a car typically makes it more reliable. There's less to break, often eliminating some of the new and possibly more problematic features from the car, dollar for dollar, you'll generally retain more, a greater percentage of the purchase price on the lower equipped model compared to the fully loaded one. Although it can be worth considering that there are options that might be very worthwhile when it comes to the actual value of the car. Now that value, in my opinion, doesn't just mean what you've paid for it, but it means what you're getting out of it. Base model cars are often stripped of a lot of the features that people really want to get the starting MSRP at a certain point for advertising purposes. So just think of the car that you've seen listed as $19,995. That car is being set up so that it can sell for just under $20,000. Not because it's exactly the way that they think you're going to buy it, but because they can now advertise to you that this car costs less than twenty grand, which sounds great, right? Until you get there and you realize that 
to have any of the equipment that you actually want on the car, you're going to spend 26 grand or more. So a lot of that is just marketing decisions. A lot of that is trying to find ways that they can pique your interest and draw you into the dealership for their car. Um, Maybe there's a competitor on the market that is a little more expensive and they know that just by coming in a little bit less, they're going to bring in more potential buyers. And in the end, you may end up spending more on that car than you would on the competitors, but they got you in. And once they've got you into the dealership, they've got a better chance of selling you. So often the equipment that they know that you're going to have greatest interest in is intentionally kept off of those base models. They're going to include them uh, sometimes a la carte. Sometimes you do have the option to just pick a specific option and add that just that one thing to the car. Um, but in most cases, they're going to be buried in packages. And those packages will typically consist of the couple of things that you're really there for uh, and a few things that you probably don't care so much about. But the addition of all of those components really helps increase the profit they're looking at. So let's say you're looking at an entry-level luxury sedan, and it's listed as starting at $29,995. So $30,000, but we'll give them that 29 number. But in this new car purchase, there are certain features that you really want, especially if you're spending 30 grand or more. You want the real leather. You want heated seats. You want that fully keyless lock system and and Apple CarPlay. And there are other features that you're after that are going to be the things that you're going to then add to the car. So those are going to be bundled into a variety of different packages. Um, Maybe you want the black trim and therefore you have to buy the sport package. All you really wanted was black trim instead of chrome, but you've now just added $2,000. And in addition to adding the $2,000, you've added wheels and tires that are going to be more expensive. But I'll get to that later. So a manufacturer might only be making $2,000 in profit selling a car that they've produced, shipped and sold through the dealership if they're selling it at the base model level. As they increase these different packages and options that you're purchasing, their profits go up significantly. So that $30,000 car you were looking at, once you've added all the different packages, maybe luxury and cold weather and premium and sport packages to get the features that you really wanted, you're probably gonna be spending more like $42,000. Well, that extra 12 grand in parts that you've paid for doesn't equate to $12,000 in additional cost to the manufacturer. So those are ways that they are making sure that they increase their profits when you buy the car that you're really after.
despite the fact that options will obviously add cost, there might be scenarios where beyond just the enjoyment of use for you to have a certain feature, it could actually benefit you in the long term when it comes to the resale value of your car. Let's go back to that entry-level luxury car. If you're trying to sell that car in a few years' time and you chose not to get things like heated seats or Apple CarPlay, for example, you might find it kind of hard to sell because everybody else in that same market is looking for those features. Uh, They don't want the one that doesn't have that. That's the whole point of buying that more luxury type of a car. So there are cases where both from just your use, your day-to-day use of the car, as well as the resale that you're going to benefit from having some of those options. The same can be said for color choices and interior materials and many other options. If you play it safe and just pick the gray car with the black leather purely because that's what you see all over the place and so you know it'll be easier for you to sell, you might shortchange yourself. You might not enjoy owning the car as much. That beautiful dark blue with the gray leather might have been the one you really wanted. Or red with the the tan might have been the color that you had in mind when you imagined owning that car. In those cases, I really think you should get the one that you most are interested in. But I will suggest if your interests are a little more funky, a little more crazy, just be cautious. Uh, I've seen too many strange and sometimes kind of disgusting color combinations that might have felt unique and interesting at the time and made it so that the car was essentially impossible to sell in the future. So just be cautious there. However, if you keep your cars for a long time, these factors may not matter so much to you. What helps on the resale of a car might be irrelevant. If you have a specific color combination and you know that it's not going to be anyone else's favorite, but you love it and you keep your cars for 10 or 12 or 15 years, forget it. Get what you want. Just consider, again, each of those times that you're selecting a box, you're checking a box on the options, it's going to be adding to the total cost. So always keep that in mind. One of the main reasons why I mentioned being cautious about some of those options purchases is the potential of certain features no longer being relevant in the future. There's a lot of stuff that you could add to a car that it's been around for a long time. It's it's pretty easy to understand that it's not really going to hurt the value of the car. But if you recall when technology started to reach the point where we had in-car navigation, that became a very popular option, especially on entry-level luxury or luxury vehicles. If 
you think back to cars from, let's say, somewhere between like 2004 and 2014, people were paying thousands of dollars to get those navigation screens, the navigation systems added to their cars. Those nav screens and systems are so incredibly outdated at this point that it completely diminishes the value of a car compared to one that doesn't have it. Unless you've found a vehicle that that you have the ability to actually replace that entire unit with something more modern, which is still going to cost more money, in a lot of those cases, those cars are really hard to sell. Those outdated systems that take up the entire dash or the function of, of the in-car electronics can be very cumbersome and expensive and and finicky and and they just date the car in many ways that the car itself isn't otherwise so problematic. So it's funny when you think back on it though because the people who were paying the extra thousands of dollars were buying into this new technology. They were also paying extra just for updates DVDs often uh, to keep those navigation uh, screens up to date with current roads, which they never really were. Uh, but so they paid and then they paid and then they paid. And that's not something that you really want to find yourself uh, in that situation if you can prevent it. So consider all of those things when you're looking at technology in particular. Um, does the first generation of a car that includes some fancy new technology actually present it in a way that has longevity? Is it actually something that's going to stand the test of time and five years from now be desirable? Or is it going to be detrimental to the resale value and the functionality of your car? And I mentioned earlier to be cautious too about how these things can add additional cost. So I just mentioned with the navigation that people who bought those nav options, they were paying sometimes hundreds of dollars a year to update their nav screens just so that they worked. But there are other scenarios where maybe you do the sport package or performance wheel and tire uh, combo that you want to add to the car. And you've just added another couple grand to the total purchase price. Going from those 18-inch wheels to the 19s, which maybe look a little nicer, just made it a whole lot harder for you to find tires. And those now fewer options for tires are going to be a whole lot more expensive too. So consider that when you look at certain options. The difference may not be so significant for you to go from the 18 to the 19 inch wheel or some version of that. But consider what the long-term costs may be if you do make one of those decisions. All right, remember that comment about BMW charging monthly for options at the start of the podcast? It wasn't just to catch your attention and, and some ridiculous story. It's true. They have just recently started charging monthly on certain cars 
for specific features. So we've reached the point with technology where it's possible for the manufacturer to remotely turn features of your car on and off. That might all sound kind of cool if you consider even that scenario I mentioned earlier where possibly you didn't pay up for an option. Well, in the future, that might mean that though you didn't pay for that option, somebody else could still add it, which is often not the case when it comes to certain options. But now the situation that we're in BMW and and I'm sure other manufacturers in the near future will be charging people a monthly fee for access to equipment that their car is equipped with. It means that one day you might not have heated seats when just the day before you did, which is annoying. But it also can be true for certain elements that are kind of safety features. And that's a bit concerning to me. It won't be presented as just your airbags or something that's obviously a a pure requirement, but let's say you've gotten really used to this technology on your car where when your high beams are on, they automatically turn themselves off as another car approaches. You've driven your car for years with it. It's been something you've loved and you've completely grown comfortable with. And you couldn't even remember how to flash your high beams off and on in the, in the moment when it happens. Well, when that feature is no longer being paid for and you're on a back road one day and you are blinding oncoming traffic every time you forget that your high beams are on, because you don't know how to turn them off, that could be a problem. And I also just want to touch on the fact that there is something kind of concerning too about the additional problems that could surface as we make more and more features easily adjustable by a manufacturer by remote technology being able to turn them on and off. We've created an entirely new area where you as an owner of a car might have a frustration or an inconvenience based on something that you have no control over without now getting in touch with the manufacturer, going through some sort of a lengthy process of explaining that this is being paid for, this is supposed to be on my car. I find it surprising because it's so important for manufacturers to maintain good customer satisfaction. And yet this is to me going to present many opportunities for them to fail in that regard. It's also just going to present many more problems when something is done incorrectly or a technology software update creates a new problem. I find it a little concerning. It's still the early days, so it's hard to know exactly what it's going to look like. But just know that right now, if you're buying certain new cars or in the near future, you might be finding yourself paying again for those same options on a monthly basis just to be allowed to use them.
And I think that's definitely something that we'll be continuing to debate long into the future. I hope that this episode helped by covering some of the additional costs of of options and features that you may or may not want to consider when you're buying a new or a used car. If you have any questions uh, or if there's anything else that I can do to help you, maybe in a one-on-one through some consulting or offering any other of my services that I provide that may be of of help to you, please check out thepropercar.com. Also, if you have any other questions or topic ideas or anything else that you'd like to discuss, please send me an email at podcast at thepropercar.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the underscore proper underscore car. And of course, if you're enjoying the content, I really hope you'll consider subscribing. Maybe leave a, a review to help others find the podcast and share it with friends if you think that one of the topics I've covered might be helpful for them. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, enjoy the drive.